Hey, this is Taylor Strickland. I'm one of the pastors here at Second Baptist Church West Campus, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message teaches you, inspires you, and strengthens your faith. To learn more about our Second Students ministry, check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Just search Second Students West. Enjoy the message. God uses alarms in our life. God uses alarms just like that to show us that he's working, that he has a plan, that he has a purpose. And when God uses an alarm, when he uses something, what do I mean by that? Something that wakes you up, that's like, okay, God has a reason for me. God is here. God is present. 2020 has been absolutely terrible. For me, outside of everything in the world, it's been a personally very difficult season. Let's set everything aside that's happened in our world, thing after thing after thing. What has 2020, don't answer out loud, looked like for you personally? Has it been a hard year? For me, it's been real hard. God uses alarms, and he's used them in the last few days, the last few weeks, last few months to say, hey, I'm still here. I'm still working. What do we like to do sometimes? We like to hit the snooze button, right? We like to hit the snooze button, and it pushes the alarm off, and so we don't wake up. And when God shows up and does that. We do the same thing. We hit snooze and we say, God, sometimes, God, I don't don't want to hear it right now. God, I don't really believe it. God sends an alarm in Moses' life. He sent a few of them, but one of them that was really big that we hear a story about is the burning bush, right? You've been in church before. You've probably heard that story of Moses being a shepherd, and he is faced with this bush that is on fire. And we know that God was in the burning bush. God did that. God used it as an alarm to wake him up and say, I have a purpose for you. And so this verse, this passage, is Moses' response to God saying, I have called you to go do what? Take my people out of Egypt and lead them to the promised land. Moses didn't feel like he was able to do that. Verse 1 says this, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? See, God said, go to the people and tell them, rally the Israelites together and tell them, I sent you, God. He uses the word, I am who I am, the phrase, the name, I am. And Moses says, okay, cool, but what if they don't believe me? How many times do you ever come up with what if scenarios? or what-if statements, or what-if questions. Here's what I mean. It's those statements or questions that have to do with our fears or doubts. Let me give you an example. Um, I, maybe you've heard this before, I talk about it a lot. I don't like flying, okay? I absolutely hate it. That's strong, I know, but I really, really don't like it. I'm terrified of it. You can ask my wife, Erica, who was just up here. Like, when we fly together, I have to do it because I live 16 hours from home, so I'm not driving that far every single time. And I do like to travel, okay? And so uh, when we do fly, it, I'm a mess, right? Like, I act like a four-year-old, okay? I'm like, I, I'm crying sometimes, no joke, okay? I'll never fly with any of you because I don't want you to see me like that. I'm sweating. And one thing I do every single time is from the gate, if you've ever flown before, you know what this process is like, From the gate to the moment we take off, I ask what-if questions. Meaning, what if the engine shuts off in the air? Like, some of y'all are like, never thought about that, never flying again, right? Like, like what if that happens, right? What if there's really bad turbulence? Turbulence is when the plane drops or shakes. I hate it, I can't stand it. 
What if we lose cabin pressure and that yellow thing does drop and I have to put it on? Like, what if that happens? What if someone tries to hijack or take over the plane? These thoughts go through my head legitimately because I doubt the process. I'm afraid of what might happen. I have anxiety. I have worry about flying. Here's what it shows. It shows a lack of trust. It shows a lack of faith. I have no faith in that process. I have no faith in flying. I trust God, but I don't trust a plane. (laughs) Legit. No faith and no trust in that. Sometimes we do that with God. When we lack faith, when we lack trust in him, we respond with what-if statements. And it's usually generated, like I said, by our fear or our worry or our anxiety or our lack of trust. Here's some examples that I think are applicable to you when it comes to your relationship with God and really for adults too. God, what if I miss out? We call that FOMO. And there's a lot of jokes about FOMO on social media and people say that, but FOMO is really real. Fear of missing out. God, what if I say no to this sin? I say no to this relationship. I say no to this party. I say no to this thing and I miss out on something that everyone else loves and does. What if I miss out? What if I don't get that? God, what if I mess up? What if I make a mistake? What if I do something wrong? What if I don't do it to the best of my ability? What if I let people down? That's a what if statement that you start asking when you become adult more in your life. What if? What if I choose the wrong direction or path? How many of you are seniors in the room? Any seniors in the room? I have a few. Any juniors in the room? Our seniors and juniors are really asking that question. Yes, sophomore, freshmen, and so on. But for you, it's like, hey, what's the next step? Where do I go? What do I do? Do I go to school? Do I not go to school? Do I go out of state? Do I stay in state? What am I going to do with my life? What do I want to do? What if I choose the wrong path? And sometimes those what-ifs hold us back from doing what God wants to do and can do in our life. So it goes on in the verse... And it says, the Lord responds to, in verse 2, Moses, and he says, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replies. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses throws it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Okay, so picture this, right? How many of y'all hate snakes? Raise your hand. I hate snakes. Can't stand them. I know people have pet snakes, okay? Awesome. That, that, is, that, is, that is really actually so cool. But for me, I can't do it, all right? It makes me uncomfortable. It creeps me out. Um, And I really respect those who own snakes. That's seriously awesome. But I can't stand it, right? So if it's me, and I'm in this moment, and and I throw my staff on the ground, and it becomes a snake, I do exactly what Moses did, and I take off, right? It says that Moses ran. He got terrified. He's like, that was a stick. Now it's a snake. I'm out. God wanted to prove that he could do what he was calling Moses to do, not because of Moses, but because of him because of God. And he does a couple other things. He tells Moses to put his hand in his shirt and to pull it out. When he pulls it out, it's got a disease on his hand, leprosy. And he puts it back in his shirt, pulls it back out. It's his normal hand again. Imagine I just just did that right here. Like I pulled it out and it was not my hand. And I put it back in, it was my hand. Y'all be like, what the heck just happened? This guy's a magician. All right. This is crazy. That happened. And then he goes, if they don't believe that, then turn the, the big Nile river into blood. Here's what God was doing. He wanted to give Moses every reason to believe that he could actually do 
what he was calling him to do. You ever, don't say out loud, but think to yourself, have you ever, um, you ever asked God for a sign, like a physical sign? I used to do that when I was in middle school and high school, junior high and high school. Like I used to be like, in my mind, don't judge me for this, okay? I would be like, God, if you're real, turn off the TV. And I'd wait. Guess what would happen? The TV would not turn off, okay? I'd be like, God, if you're real, flick the lights off and on. It, would, it wouldn't move. Like, the light would stay on, right? Because here's the deal. God doesn't work, I believe, today like he did in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Like, he's speaking right now verbally to Moses. I don't believe he speaks verbally that we can hear him literally speak or physically see him. Today he works through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through his word, through other people. But God wanted to give Moses right here a sign so that he had every reason to believe. He wanted to affirm and confirm what he was doing. God will use his word, the Bible. That's why it's so important to read your Bible because it's God speaking to you. He will use the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And he will use other people to affirm and confirm things in your life. So he does that, and then it says that um, in verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Here's what Moses says. Moses gives excuses. Right? That's kind of what we see there and what we think when we read that. Oh, it's Moses. Moses doesn't want to do what God's calling him to do. So first he says, what if this, what if that? And then he goes, well, God, I, I see the signs and that's all great. I know you can do it, but I can't really talk. Here's what he's saying. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to do this. But here, here's what I see here. I don't really see Moses giving excuses. I see Moses being honest. See, Moses was a real human being. And I don't know about you, but if I'm in that situation, I'm not going to respond any different. I'm going to be like, God, there is no way you can use Seth to do what you're calling me to do. No chance. I'm not smart. I just graduated from college a year ago at 29 years old. Legit. Okay. Took me a while. I would start giving all these excuses. I would start being honest with God. And listen, don't miss this. God wants our honesty. Students, you're a human being. He did not make you a robot. And sometimes in our Christian faith, we think that we have to act or live a certain way when really we're not living that way. And yes, we should strive to live for Christ. But as human beings, we're going to mess up. And we're going to have questions. And you're going to doubt. And you're going to struggle. It's going to be hard. I want to encourage you to be honest with God. Be honest with people. Be honest with your parents. Be honest with people who can speak into your life and really care about you and speak from the Bible. Be honest with the right people. You know why? Because people follow people who are real, not fake. I hope you put that in your notes. People follow people who are real, not fake. The best leaders are the ones who are real. They're honest. They're open. They're like, I don't have it all together, but I'm working on it. I'm trying. Moses is honest here because he needed God. 
See, that's what honesty does. Honesty puts it into perspective, right? Honesty says, God, I can't do it without you. I need you. If we weren't honest and we said, I got this, do you really have it? Do I really have it? Or do we really need God? Do we really need him to show us, hey, I've got this, not you. That's what the honesty does. And in verse 14, he does that. He goes on and he says, I'm not going to read it, but he says, here's the deal. I'm going to give you your brother Aaron. I know you can't speak well. I know you've got some talking issues, but Aaron is going to speak for you. And so in verse 16, if you put that on the screen, Samuel, here's what he says. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. Here's what he's saying. I've got this. I want you to see, Moses, what I can do through you. I'm going to use your brother Aaron. He's going to speak for you, and you're going to tell him what to say as if it was me the entire time. He wanted Moses to see what he could do through him. So I want to give you two challenges as we end today. You missed everything. I want you to get this. I want you to write these down on your notes that we provided for you, if you would, please. Two challenges. Number one, see what God can do through you. You missed it. It's on the screen. See what God can do through you. It starts with believing, and seeing is believing. Here's what that means. It means that you don't have to see it to believe it. It's hard to be a Christian when it runs on faith. That's what being Christian is all about. It's trusting. It's knowing that the God of the Bible is alive today and believing that he has a plan and purpose for your life and he can do unbelievable things through you. You've got to believe it even though you can't see it. So let's go back to the beginning. What if we, when I was talking about those what-if statements, right? Talking about how I, when I fly, I give all of these what-if questions. What if this happens? What if that happens? How about we take that what-if and we turn it to a different what-if? Meaning, how about we take the potential problems that could happen when we know we're called to do something that God has a purpose for our life, we start giving, you know, saying that all these problems could happen. What if we take it and turn it into the potential of God? Here's what I mean. Let me give you some examples. What if you prayed in public? You might think you're a terrible prayer. I want you to know you're not. Praying is talking to God. What if you prayed in public out loud? What if you told someone, hey, I'm going to pray for you, and then you actually prayed for them right there instead of waiting till later and forgetting? What if you read your Bible in public, at school, open, on your desk? What would happen? What conversations would come about? What would people see different in your life? What if you listened to worship music instead of secular music in your car when people were riding with you? What would that say to them? What kind of statement would that make? What would that speak to them? What if you said no to the things you feel like you're missing out on, the party, the, the sex, the drugs, the porn, all these different things that the world wants us to partake in that don't lead to anything good? What if you said, what if you, I'm sorry, confronted a, li- a friend living in sin in a very loving way? You confronted them as the Bible tells us to. If you don't know how to do that, you can ask me after. What if you did that? 
What if you encourage somebody with a text message? What if you encourage them with scripture? What if you encourage them with a phone call? What if you went out of your way to say hello to someone you've never talked to you in, to your, in, in your entire life? What if you invited somebody to church who hasn't been since the pandemic? Maybe you just texted them. Maybe they've never been to church. What if you shared Christ with someone of a different faith, of a different religion? What if you impacted your team, your band, your group, your class of, for some of you, three people right now, your school, your city for Christ? What would happen in Katy? What would happen in the surrounding areas? I believe we'd see a movement, y'all. Here's why. Because God is moving in this room. God is moving in your lives. But you have to take it outside these walls. We can't do that. Your leaders can't do that. You have to. So what if you said, I'm going to commit to doing one of the things that Seth just listed. And if you don't remember what I said, text that number that was just up there. If you don't have it, come talk to me after. I'll send them to you. What if I did one thing every single week for the entire semester or the entire year? What would God do? Here's what would happen. Challenge number two. When you see what God can do through you, you can then watch what he will do through you. You can sit back and you can watch God work. You can watch how he will move. You can watch how he will work. And it's an amazing thing. I want to end with this. I want to show you a picture on the screen, Samuel, if you go to the next slide. This was from Fall Riot 2015. This is a picture of the room. Look how many people are there. Holy COVID regulations, right? Like, that could never happen today, currently. But that was in 2015. And our team, I remember this, some of them were on staff. I don't know if any of you were even around. Some of you were in junior high. Some of our leaders were here. But man, God moved that night. We didn't know what to expect, but thousands of students came. And look at what happened. 143 decisions, this was posted on someone's Instagram. 143 decisions, 75 baptisms for Jesus Christ. Why do I show you that? Because that's the potential of God. I mean, the potential of God is way more than that. But that's the potential. That's what could happen if we believe it. That's what could happen when we sit back and watch God work. Things like that. And I don't know about you, but 2020 has been a really hard year. And I said this last week. There's a song on the radio that talks about how bad 2020 was. I'm tired of hearing how bad 2020 was. I know people went through some real stuff, and it's been real hard, and my heart breaks for them. But 2020 was a chance and a moment for Christians and still is to respond and say, we're hurting, we're broken, this is hard, but let me point to Jesus Christ. Let me show you hope. Let me show you truth. Let me show you stability. It's a blank slate for God to do something amazing in this ministry, in your life. So what are you doing with it? Last thing I want to say. What kind of legacy do you want to leave, students? Don't answer out loud. When you graduate, some of you are in 6th, some of you are in 8th, some of you are in 10th or 11th and 12th grade. I know I skipped some. Some of you are a year from graduating, a few months. Some of you are many years. What kind of legacy do you want to leave before your time ends in high school or junior high? What kind of impact do you want to make? Think to yourself, how many of you 
know the names of your great-great-great-grandparents. Probably not many of you. Maybe there's some of you. I don't know the names of my great-great-great-grandparents. No idea who they are. I know their last name is Phipps, but I don't know them other than that. But I can tell you this, that I am their living legacy. What do I mean by that? I don't know their name, but the proof of their existence is me, is you. You don't know your great-great-great-grandparents, but you're their living legacy. Because of them, you exist. may not know their name, but their impact is in this room. In the same way, people might forget your name, but they'll never forget your impact. They might forget your name, they probably will forget your name, but they'll never forget the way you changed their life, that God used you to speak to them, that God used you to point them to Christ. So what are you going to do, students? He can do the same thing he did in the life of Moses and Daniel and Joseph and Ruth and Peter and Paul in your life. It starts with believing.